we are starting a new message series titled All In. And we're talking about unity. Hours before Jesus went to the cross, he prayed that his followers would be one as the Father and the Son are one. That's a pretty high standard, don't you think? We're going to look at three events in Jesus' life where he unified the followers through his actions and his teaching. They call us to be unified as a church because Satan loves to divide us. If he can set us against each other, he can limit the impact that we have in this world. When people join the church... As members, they promise to support the church with their prayers, their presence, their gifts, their service, and their witness. And as we stand together in those ways, God uses us as a unified force to transform the world for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one of the most important ways we do that is through our amazing children's ministry here at Anderson Hills. Today I want to share a brief video with you about how we are all in for our kids. Let's take a look at it together. I'm all in. I'm all in. We're, We're all, all in. in. I'm Lisa Trelevin. I serve every other week here at Anderson Hills. And I love it. My kids get to come with me. It's interesting to serve at the church because you really get to see God's grace every time you're here and how happy all these kids are and how much they already believe in God. Uh, my name is Jennifer Schnocki and I volunteer in Kids Rock. Uh, you know, for all the time that you give, you get so much back from them. Um, seeing things through the eyes of a child and answering their questions and being part of, um, you know, the process of teaching them how to pray and those sorts of things are just so beautiful. Uh, I'm Alex Coon. And I'm Margo Coon, and we volunteer with the fifth and sixth graders up in Cafe. Uh, we just love giving back to the kids. It's, um, you know, it's a pretty important time in their lives, and it's good to give them somebody that they can lean on and be someone that can kind of help be a role model for them and just help uh, help them navigate the world. They're at a, an age where bringing them to God is really important and uh, we feel really lucky to be the people that get to help them do that. Well, I'm Sandy Snoke and I have been in taking care of the Nest children for probably 43 years. And I love it. I love the babies. I love the parents. You make new friends every Sunday, it seems like. And the children, this is my happy place. That's so awesome how they're all in. Our children's ministry is so central uh, to changing lives and transforming these kids for a legacy for generations uh, to come. There's so many families in our, our neighborhood who don't know Jesus, and we want to impact those generations for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I love the legacy of faithful service uh, found around here at Anderson Hills. Did you hear Sandy? 43 years, man? Holy cow. Wow. You know... That is amazing. I was like, man, she almost could have had me there. 
When I say I'm all in, I mean that my family and I were committed to, to pray for things like our children's ministry, to serve there, and also to give financially. This is the time of year where our finance team uses our 2023 estimate of giving cards to guide us uh, into our budget for next year. Um, but more than that, it's a spiritual exercise to give those commitment cards over as a way, as an act of saying yes to God and what, God, what is God calling you to give and how can you uh, put your finances at work here at Anderson Hills. For those watching uh, from home, you can download the card uh, from our giving page. You drop off your estimate of giving cards, whether in the offering plates or you can mail them uh, to the church by November 20th. We want to thank you for your generous uh, giving, and it empowers us to bless and to serve others in ministry, especially our kids in 2023. So today, we talk about unity. We're going to join Jesus and the disciples in one of the most terrifying events in the disciples' lives. They were traveling in a fishing boat on the Sea of Galilee, and you can see it right up here. You can take a look at the Sea of Galilee is more like a, a big lake, and it's 700 feet below sea level. And when storms come, they can get, can get really nasty very quick. In 1992, 10-foot-tall uh, waves were measured on the Sea of Galilee. And that's, a bad, that's bad news for fishing boats, especially boats from this era. Take a look at these fishing boats from that era. They discovered the one on the left and the right as an illustration of what it might have looked like. And you can imagine being in a small boat like that with 12 other full-grown men in a big storm. Man, yikes! So let's, I want to read this passage of scripture and I want, to, I want you to play along to pretend that you are there as I read this passage of scripture. It means you've got a couple speaking parts in this scripture this morning. Your parts are going to be in yellow and I'm counting on you to say them with me. Are you ready? Let's do it. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and they started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat. It began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence! Be still! Suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. And then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? Even the wind and waves obey him. I want to ask you a question this morning. Have you ever gone through a storm? personal diagnosis from the doctor a call from the police about your son or daughter a day you got a pink slip or were laid off at work an afternoon where you found that there was an affair happening or received divorce papers and the bible is really really clear that every one of us will go through storms 
We've been through some storms in the past two and a half years, haven't we? A global pandemic. We had a, a lead pastor change here at Anderson Hills. That's, that's, that's kind of a storm, I think. We just left our denomination. That's just to name a few. And all of these things can lead people to become frustrated and even become divided or even leaving. Storms hit churches as well. But you know something? The storm is so worth it because God is at work in the storm. I love this church so much. I'm all in. I heard my call right there in one of these pews right here in the front to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. One of the things that I'm it's so cool is that Pastor Mark and, and Pastor John and Pastor Sue Lee, as we navigated this denominational uh, disaffiliation, one of the things we don't have to worry about anymore is being moved by the bishop. That's awesome. <laughs> and I have such a strong sense. Amen. Right on, brother. You're right there with me, aren't you? Fist bump, fist bump. I have a strong sense that God is going to do even greater things. God's vision for 200 more years here at Anderson Hills. So as we dig in, the great artist Rembrandt helps us paint a picture of what it was like to be on the sea that day with Jesus in his incredible painting titled, titled The Storm of the Sea of Galilee. Isn't that beautiful? It's the only seascape that Rembrandt ever painted. It was stolen in 1990. The reward for its finding is upwards of $10 million. Its whereabouts is still unknown, my friends. But I have on good authority that if someone were to anonymously donate it during the rummage sale next year, we wouldn't turn you in. We would act in a lot of grace around here at Anderson Hills. So how do we navigate storms together? I think we can do it through this painting this morning. You see, Rembrandt painted each disciple in a very distinctive way. And I think it's, it highlights some of the ways in which we can respond to storms. Let's take a closer look and zoom in, and maybe you'll see yourself in this painting. Let's look at the first guys. Look at this teamwork right here. Teamwork makes the dream work. If we work together, we can do this. It's a great approach. And most of us start out this way. But as the waves get bigger, the boat gets filled with more and more water, we question it. Can a church really do this much change in such a short time and still be effective? We start looking around for any signs of doubt or fear in each other's eyes because we want to make sure that the team is going okay. But if our unity can inspire confidence in one another, I believe God uses this to help us overcome storms. Check out this guy. He's holding on for dear life to that rope. When storms in church comes, people like this guy said, I don't know if I'm going to stay or if I'm going to leave. I was expecting a smooth ride to get across that sea. And if people can't get along, I don't know if I can stay. I just want things to stay like they've always been. And I'm holding on to that. We all know that's not how life works. Things change. And sometimes those changes don't seem for the better. Who's here today saying, 
You know, I think, I think his COVID thing was a real win for the world. <laughs> no. We long for what we used to have, even though the world has changed, whether we like it or not. Next, this guy here, he grabs the rudder. You can kind of see that through there. He has a hold of the rubber, rudder, 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 and he's like, let's do this. Let's, we can make it. And he's holding on tightly, trying to navigate those boats, that boat. And these are natural leaders, the ones who want the ball in their hands at the end of the game. And we need great leaders like this to take the rudder and help steer and navigate the boat. We also need these leaders to have humility in the way they lead, which can be very challenging. You need a lot of self-confidence to lead well, but you also need to balance that with humility. Next, this guy here is praying. You can, you can kind of see, as you see his hands curled up, he's praying. And we thank God for the prayer warriors, for the natural leaders who are task-oriented. And you may be able to be tempted to look at the prayer warriors and feel that they aren't carrying their weight. Prayer is great, but we want to say to those people, pick up the oar, start rowing, doggone it. Yes, there's time to pray and act, but there's also a time to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen while the storms are raging. Next, you have this guy going to Jesus. He's tapping him on the shoulder saying, don't you care that we are perishing? Wake up, man. And these are our leaders who have vision criers who go straight to the authority figure and demand a solution. Don't you care that things are falling apart? You've got to do something. We need leaders like that, people ready to help us with a quick reality check. Or how about this guy just sitting there? He's just sitting right next to the mast. Maybe he's saying, this isn't really happen happening, and he's in denial. This guy went to his happy place. Physically, he's in the middle of the storm, but mentally, he's on the beach with a drink in his hand and soaking up some rays. This may sound good for a minute, but it's so dangerous. The storms are real and pretending that they are not will not make them go away. Look at how this next disciple, he's huddled up, he's in fear, he's frozen. The boat's gonna sink, we're, gonna make, we're not gonna make it. People are leaving the church. Just give me my old church back. This is one of the positions that we can be in when we're frozen, Satan's job is done. Because we're ineffective at building the kingdom of God, we have to sit on the sidelines. You see these people sitting on the sidelines in fear. Check out this next guy. He's barfing over the side of the boat. He is. I'm sick of it all. 100% of the people who have been through storms know what this is like. Sometimes you just need to have a moment in upchuck, don't you? Not all over your friends or relatives. But sometimes storms can make us feel sick. We need to get the stuff out in a reasonable way, though. But last but not least, there's this guy. Any ideas about who he is? Who is this dude? You know, when you count the people in this boat, there's 14 people. Jesus, 12 disciples, and then Rembrandt. Rembrandt puts himself in the boat. He's basically saying no one is exempt from the storm. It's going to happen. And Rembrandt reminds us, no one is exempt from the storm, but we have to remember that Jesus is in the boat with us. 
A study was done with monkeys measuring the effects of stress on the brain. A monkey was put into a cage and exposed to high levels of psychological stress. Loud noises, flashing lights. It's pretty much scared the monkey to death. And the monkey was totally terrified. And then scientists used a baseline measurement of a stress level hormone in the monkey's brain. Next, the researchers introduced one change in the experiment. They opened the door and they put a buddy in there, another monkey in the cage. They exposed the two monkeys once again to the same loud noises, to the flashing lights, and then took a, another measure of the stress hormones. The result? Those monkeys' stress were cut in half. The lone monkey was only half as good as handling the stress as the pair were together. Folks, we're better together. We're better unified in the storms. You're better with each other through the storm maybe you're going through right now. And when those storms come, remember that we are indeed better together, unified in Christ. You see, when we're all in, we're never alone. The Bible knows nothing about a Lone Ranger Christian. We're created to live in community with each other and help each other navigate these storms together. Yes, we're going to have different responses, but when we're all in together, we can get through the storm with the Holy Spirit's help. And the Holy Spirit enables us and gives us gifts to, as we are in community together to navigate the way. You see, the one who calms the storm is in our boat, and we can go anywhere and fulfill what he has called us to become. Storms are not obstacles. They're opportunities to experience the power of God. And when we're all in, we will become more Christ-like through the storm and after the storm. Do you allow storms to make yourself more Christ-like? Or do you allow it to drive a wedge between you and others and maybe even a wedge between you and God? As individuals and families, we go through storms, loss of job, loved ones, friends. But when we're anchored to Jesus Christ, we can make it through those storms, my friends. He didn't promise smooth sailing, but he does promise that he will be with us in the boat. And when we get to the other side of the storm, we can see how it made us stronger and that the storm was there for a reason. Will you please join me in prayer? Father, unify us in the storm. Enable us to work together for the kingdom which is yours. Thank you for not leaving us. We hear your voice over the wind and the waves calling out, my child, have faith. May we open our ears to hear and to obey you in the midst of the storm. Father, unify us. Make us one as you are one in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Set our hands to work to get to our destination. As we come to the table this morning, may we unify with one another and unify with you, O oh God, and remember your great sacrifice for us on the cross. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.